Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello, and welcome to the Dialogic Disciple Podcast with Nick and James, a production of Northside Church. Nick and I enjoy talking about God, the Bible, and what our grandparents called the house of God, the church. And we like to invite others to join us in that conversation. This week, we sat down with Brandy Diamond, the director of children's ministry at Northside Church, to discuss the church, children, and the events of the world around us. That conversation went so well, we had to break it into two parts. This is the second part. Teaching kids to be attentive to their experience of God and to others is a key part of uh, forming a disciple. And, and the way, the methods that we learn as children to, to open ourselves to the experience of God or to uh, open ourselves to the experience of others is very important. I wonder how, how can we better teach kids to experience to be open to their experience or interpret, discern their experiences because they're doing that. They're doing it already. That's just part of being a human being. Um, but I, well, I find that the tradition that I grew up in and Nick, Nick, you probably agree with this. I was, I was told to pay attention to one experience, right? To inviting Jesus Christ into my heart to be my personal savior. Every other experience outside of that became less and less important to the point where my personal experience didn't really matter. Uh, my personal experience of God and others didn't matter if it didn't, if it did not align with scripture, if it was not uh, completely like just boom, boom, boom with scripture. So I don't know. What do, what do you, Brandy, what do you think about that? So it's interesting as you just, there's a little bit of intention and there's also a little bit for us of, Hey, this is where we want to go, but also some realistic expectations of, what kids can do. So if, as you study cognitive development and, and even just sort of the classic read for seminary students is Bauer Stages of Faith. When you look at that, our fourth and fifth graders are just starting to be able to do that abstract thinking. And so they're, again, here's where we want them to go. And we're going to hold those up as those resources and hopefully teach parents on the way too. But also the reality is it's going to need to continue to get reinforced as kids get bigger and they can have more of that experience of working through. But what we have set up is our milestones program and it's a pretty simple program. Um, we took the no grow and go piece of our North side person, you know, statement to say, how do we envision that for our kids and how do they know the love of God through these different ways? And so we have a lot of different things that they can do from our nursery kids, just experiencing the love of God through our caregivers and our team to going on up to our fifth graders who were encouraged to serve. And I think there's a big, big chunk of space in between that, but we try to at least hit those things at least once a year so that every child, if you went through our program from the time that you were born to the time that you go up to student ministries, that you would have some sort of interaction with these several different places of milestones that we would hope that you would engage with or have some familiarity with. And again, that helps us to resource our parents too through that. So they have those pieces as kids return to those questions. I think that's, I think that's a really good. important observation for me that that program is designed and, and I, I got a feeling when some people may be having their face melted right now, program designed from birth through the fifth grade. Like this is not 
an hour or a couple Sundays a year. This is something that is intentionally designed to expose children to it um, for the first 10 years of their life. And that's part of that learning process as a kid and that formation that occurs in your childhood is that it's not one instance. It's the over and over and over again. And so you don't have to soak up all of the theology involved in the book of Genesis that first time you read, you know, you, you get a lot of time to develop it. And so in terms of what, what are kids able to process and asking questions and is there a right answer or a wrong answer to the questions? I'm kind of of the opinion in, in my parenting to, well, there's a right answer for now. And in a few more years, we can talk about other answers. and I hope this is okay if I transition to this too, is, you know, one of the things that prompted me to talk to Elizabeth and therefore kind of reconnect on the podcast piece was how prayers have changed for our kids. And to me, this connects because one of our milestones for actually our first graders, I believe, is we talk about prayer and the Lord's prayer and help them to start to understand a little bit more about prayer life. So a couple of summers ago, when it was my first summer at Northside, we had a program when Taylor was the director and it was called Wiggle Worship. And it was for our kids on Sunday mornings. And we had, you know, everybody from, I think we had kindergarten, rising first graders up to rising sixth graders in that room. And that's a wide variety. Um, When we have a large group setting, it's hard because we've got kindergartners. This isn't even including our preschoolers and nursery. We've got kindergartners that are, they're just learning how to sit still on seats, you know? I mean, it's hard for them to wrap their head around it. To the fifth graders that are like, oh gosh, you know, this, we're bored, this is too little for us. And we're hitting it just about right with second and third grade. So I'm always cautious and, and, and cognizant of that when we have a group that has a lot of age ranges in it. Like, how do we play to them all? Like, that's been a challenge on Zoom for us right now. And so it's gotten us through for right now, but as we look toward the fall, if we're still Zooming and doing that, We've had a meeting today. We have a lot of preparation around how to make that more streamlined to age groups. But that summer, we would do prayer requests. And that was also the summer that Dr. Gill was leaving and Dr. Bill was coming on. And so, you know, at that time, kids were asking, you know, some of the silly prayer requests. And I don't mean like prayer requests are silly. I'm saying somebody would get to the point that they wanted to say something silly to get a giggle. And so, that summer, one Sunday, someone said, well, I think we should pray for Dr. Gill because he's leaving Northside. And then someone said, well, I think we should pray for Dr. Bill because he's coming to Northside. And, you, you know, then another kid's like, we should pray for Dr. Phil on his TV show. You know, so <laughs> it just, so it was silly, but it was like, and that's who I prayed for, Dr. Gill, Dr. Bill, and Dr. Phil, because we all need it, you know, like God bless us all. So it's, it's so funny to do that. This year, with everything that's happened with these kids, we consistently have different prayer requests. We have prayer requests every week for our first line workers. We have doctors, we have nurses, we have first responders of all kinds. We have prayer requests for people who are sick with COVID and anything. We have prayer requests for grandparents. We have prayer requests for, um, I'm trying to think of another unique one and I'll, it'll, there was something else I was gonna share and I'll think about it, but we also have Really, just in the last few weeks, we've had requests to pray for people who are hurting. We've had prayer requests for people who are protesting and that their voices would be heard. These are from preschoolers and second graders 
And one of the most powerful prayer requests I heard recently was, I, you know, would you pray that everything can be peaceful again for everybody? That's a powerful thing for a third grader to ask for or a four-year-old to ask us for. And it's very different than Dr. Bill, Dr. Gill, and Dr. Phil, right? And right. so there's been a pronounced change for what these kids are experiencing right now that I think asks us to be attentive to what they're experiencing and they're not missing. They're not missing the news, whether they're viewing it or they see it on a magazine cover or overhear us talking. They are real human beings that are definitely having their own losses and grief during this time. And so paying attention to what they're asking for is monumentally important right now and needs our time and attention. So yeah, that's, that's, this, this is definitely one of the things I wanted to talk about today because I think uh, just I overhearing some conversations um, and just interactions with my own daughter, you know, she talks about the time before the coronavirus, right? And she, she says always like, remember, she'll start conversations by saying something like, remember the times before the coronavirus when we would go do this or do that or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I'm just like, this is, it's funny how it's impacted her. And with their prayer requests, um, I, I don't know if I, I was talking to somebody else, but this this conversation had come up with the prayer request. And I, I think adults do this too, but there's so much that's like, there's like a hidden meaning behind uh, a lot of these prayer requests, right? Like this is, prayer requests don't just, these aren't things we just want prayer for, but they also kind of confess what we're anxious about and, uh, you know, really get to the deep parts of what we spend most of our time thinking about. Um, and to see the kids kind of shift the way you're talking to these really important um, and things that are what we'd consider probably to be adult matters, uh, that they're spending their time thinking about this stuff too. And they're thinking about it and they're anxious about it. Uh, And when we put that into concert with um, the fact that, you know, they're being formed, these are some of the things that are being formed in them that are going to be with them for the rest of their life, this anxiety and how we respond to it, that how they learn to respond to it's going to be with them too. Nick, what about your kids? Have they, have they been talking about this or they've been, how they responded to these, these, these times that we're in? Um, you know, my kids range all across kind of a little bit outside of where Brandy's ministry reaches um, all the way down to the bottom of it. So I've got my oldest at almost 13 who is ready to go to a protest. Um, and then the youngest at four years old who is um, when the coronavirus is over, can we <laughs> fill in the blank, you know? Um, looking for that day when coronavirus has ended. Um, so I do see, right. So I do see a range of how they have soaked up the environment around them and how sensitive they are to what's going on in the world. Um, and it is, it is remarkable how much they're picking up on and how much of our language influences the way that they think about it. Not even if we're talking to them, just if we're talking around them. Yeah. Um, that they're still getting stuff. I wonder That's if, definitely you could, true. if you could um, speak to this, because this is something I'm curious about uh, on this, on this topic, uh, much like you were just saying, uh, Nick, that, they pick up what they hear being said. And I, I wonder if some of the anxiety that they have and 
some of the deep concern they have is because that's what they see in their parents, right? It's it, it maybe not even like, not explicitly maybe, but they're picking up tones that are different. They're picking up stresses that are different before. Um, I wonder if, if you've noticed, I wonder if you could make that connection uh, it, with the kids that you're working with at Northside, but also just like, have you noticed that in the parents? I mean, is it, is this something that we're consciously aware that we're doing uh, when we're around kids? I wonder if there are days where, you know, do my kids' teachers know better what's going on than some of my friends do? <laughs> Just because mm-hmm. like, out of the mouths of babes, you know, it is it is funny what the kids pick up and what they repeat back. Definitely. And having young adult kids myself, which, you know, definitely out of this age range, I mean, one of the greatest gifts I think of that is that we can have these deep conversations about things. They inform me of a lot of things that I, I don't know about. And, and it gives me some space to answer some questions too. So it's really fun to see, you know, the kids that are like Nick's family's age, be able to turn into these bigger kids that, you know, they go through these different opportunities and educational programs and go out in the world and come back and have amazing conversations with you. I mean, that to sit around the table, we went to see Taylor in the fall and, you know, my kids are sitting around the dinner table talking about the Toni Morrison novel that they both read. And it was amazing to just sit and listen to them. And then they started talking about Thoreau and, you know, like everything in between. And it, that's a pretty amazing thing. And that's, I think, a, just another reason that we engage this age now. It's easy to, to skip it because it's so demanding. Like having little kids is demanding. And right now, I think families in particular, and you both can speak to this better than I can, but, you know, the worst kind of problem that we all had being home together is not enough Wi-Fi because we all had to be on Zoom calls at the same time compared to my friends who were trying to teach their kids and give them spiritual guidance and Zoom their classrooms and, you know, try to still pick up something from the softball team or whatever it was. It's hard to be a parent right now, and a lot is being required of us, especially those of us who are working full-time, too. And so how do we resource families right now to be loved on and cared for and to know that they're not in this alone as they answer these things? How do we give them the space and the grace to be able to continue to listen to those why questions that kids ask? Because that can get tiresome after a while, right? So how do we, how do we resource parents to be able to sort of endure this time and also love this time because there's pros and cons to it. Like there are at every age, even for us as grownups. And so how do we love our little so we can love our bigs? That's. And you know, I I think James, I have underestimated what my kids are ready to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That um, I, I have underestimated how aware they are and how ready they are to talk about some stuff that they see on TV or on the news or, you know, what's going on. And, um, I mean, in a, in a small way, I remember the first time Santa Claus brought the leap pad 10 years ago and Santa Claus should have brought a full blown iPad. Um, and what I thought the child was ready for and what they were actually ready for were different. And, it has it has been a little bit surprising at how aware they are and that maybe I can start a little further along. Like, I don't want to dive in further along, but right. as Brandy said before, you know, they're asking the question because they have an opinion and they're looking for an opportunity to share that with you. Yes. 
And it takes um, you off the hook too, right? Like, and I wonder, to I wonder ask the question how, back. how much reticence you have, uh, Nick. I have the same thing with Kiefer. Uh, how much reticence you have, you underestimate them because you're not ready yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these are issues that you don't want to think about. These are issues yeah. that you don't want to talk about. Well, and that's what makes it scary is when Flint wanted to read the Easter story for his bedtime story the other day, and I got cartoon Jesus nailed on a cross, and he looks at me and says, what's happening there? I was like, (laughs) this is foundational to our tradition, and I have to explain this, but he's four. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm on board for whatever resources Brandy's team can offer. Absolutely, yeah. We're here to help. That's right. That's right. Well, and I I will say too, like, I mean, to fast forward up to our fifth graders, fourth and fifth graders, when we do Wonderfully Made program, which was previously created by God and talks about all about puberty and lots of stuff, you know, it, it is that same kind of thing of like, I don't want to talk about this myself. And we even tell parents and we're like, give them the book ahead of time and tell them where they're going. Because if you drop them off and squeal your tires out of the church parking lot to get away from us, we give them back to you in three hours and they are going to be so mad. And we've watched it happen. We're like, we are here to act, to, to support, encourage, start the conversation. And some of the best comments that we've gotten back about that program have been parents that have come back and said, oh, we talk about this all the time now, like all the time. Like it's, it's full blown. We, you've opened the doors wide open, whether we were ready or not, but it's normalized, you know, tough conversations that I think later you're thankful you took those steps for. And a lot of times when you get to a place where you can, you know, when you do ask a child back a question, I think it, it opens that space and also shuts the conversation, the conversation down a little bit more quickly too, in all the right ways. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it, because you've given them the space, they don't linger on it as much and that they can sort of, you know, close that gap of thinking sometimes. Um, and maybe it goes a few weeks and they start it back up again, but that that's okay to give that room, I think is, is so important. And it's so many pieces of this conversation that we've had today. Well, whether it's the four-year-old or the fifth grader or the teenager, I would much rather be the one that gets asked the question than them go somewhere else looking for answers. There you go. Praise Jesus. That's right. I want my kid to be the smartest kid on the bus. Am I right? That is exactly exactly where they go and looking for answers. And yes, (laughs) listen, some of the things I learned growing up, I asked my friend on the bus, like I call it bus learning and I want to be the (laughs) one teaching and not the one learning, you know, like, I don't know why, but this friend of mine on the bus was where I got all this information. But to have space of trusted adults and other leaders, you know, I can't undervalue enough. Like, I mean, or just, I'm not using the right words, but I can't say enough good things about how important it is for children to have other adults that they can trust, like truly trust. That is just, it's just incredibly valuable. And I think especially as kids get into middle school and high school, um, we called it in Girl Scouts having a TA, a trusted adult. And I would always tell the girls that were in Scouts, is if there is a time that you cannot reach or for whatever reason will not call a parent, you are to call me and I will come for you. And part of that is because I care about them, but part of that too is because I want someone to do that for my child. Yeah. If my child can't reach me or feels that they can't talk to me about something, I want them to have someone else in their lives. So 
for someone to invest that time in our children's ministries program is you can't know how impactful that will be to a child later on. You just can't know. We've been talking primarily about ways that we as adults can help form and shape kids and, and the kind of teaching that we must do and um, the relationship building that we must do. But there's a reflexive relationship, right? It, the children teach us as well, right? I, I learn a yes. lot from my daughter. And I learn a lot. Anytime I'm with a bunch of kids, I, I, I walk away learning uh, something. So, and it's not just about learning. It's also about relationship and, 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 and all that stuff. We have, uh, we have a, a class that we're doing right now um, called the um, Imagination of God, which is a faith and film class we're doing. And the first movie that we watched was Finding Neverland. And I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or not. It's a Johnny yes. Depp movie from a long, long time ago. So it's good. about how the story of Peter Pan was written. And the, the, the author of the, of the story, uh, James Barry, I think his name is, mm-hmm. the, the character played by Johnny Depp, he writes this amazing play, Peter Pan, who we're all familiar with, and then opens it up and, and his director or his, the, the owner of the theater thinks that it's going to be a complete flop because it, it's a ridiculous play, right? For adults to sit down and watch. And so one of the things that he does is he goes to the local orphanage and gets like 25 orphans and he brings them into the uh, auditorium where the play is being done. And he kind of sprinkles them throughout the audience so that they're, so that they'll be there to experience it. And as the play begins uh, it's a ridiculous play. But the kids start laughing, right? Because it's funny to them. And it, that, that kind of thing gets contagious with the adults. And they start to see the, the performance through the eyes of a kid, right? Through the eyes of a child. And Jesus talks a lot about having the faith of a child and, and what that means. And here's my question. All that's to set up this question, all right? Something that we have talked about at Northside forever is whether or not we should have children with us in worship, right? Whether or not children and families should worship together. Um, and when I watched that scene in that movie and we were talking about it in class, this conversation came back to me uh, and kind of punched me in the face a little bit. This idea that there is this reflexive relationship. There is this relationship where, where we, we learn how, maybe we don't learn facts and information from kids, but we learn how to experience and we learn how to feel and we learn how to have relationship and see the world in a different mm-hmm. way those kids laughing in that auditorium in the Finding Neverland movie was contagious and it, it helped, it, it brought the entire audience to life. I wonder, Brandy, from your experience in the past or maybe what you, how you're feeling about this and Nick, I want your feelings on this too. Do you think the same kind of thing could be true if we had children in worship with us? I think our thoughts on that really have to change. And I think one of the most graceful moments I've seen in that was at Christmas Eve this year and I've got to have the opportunity at the Christmas Eve family services to sort of make it a, you know, that general welcome and to say, it's okay. Because I remember having small children and I was very stressed to take them to church and they're wiggly and they're brutally honest. Like they say, I don't like this, or why are you talking about that? And they speak loudly and, you know, all of our decorum goes out the window. And so and, there, and, and please understand, I'm making a difference too. It's one thing to just misbehave and not learn manners. That's, that's different. I'm not even talking about kids misbehaving because yeah. that requires something different. I'm talking about just the wiggliness, everydayness of kids. And 
if we do not welcome that into space, we are not fully living out our calling. I really believe that. It doesn't need to be in everything. And I think there's that fine line because like Wednesday nights can be that way, right? Like we get, I had kids one night that were playing football with a shoe in the middle of Faith and Hearts. And I'm like, oh, I'm so stressed <laughs> out. You know, it's going to land in somebody's dinner. You know, that's a separate thing then. Should kids be present at the table? And when a children's team is not heard at that table and children aren't being reflected at that table in whatever metaphorical sense, we're missing this huge piece of the church. And the sad thing is everything else we've talked about in this context today is lost if a child has never really gotten to experience worship, big worship in that setting. Why would they want to do that when they're in middle school, high school and beyond? Why would you want to go do that? Because you're not comfortable. You don't know how it works. Like sometimes even just because I'm downstairs so much, when I come upstairs and involved in worship, I get a little nervous, not because I'm leading worship, if I have that opportunity, but because I don't quite know how everything works because I'm not up there all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable thing for our little kids to not know, like, what's intinction? Like, I don't know. What do I do? Like, we don't give them all those pieces. And so without those things, we can't expect them to want to come or be part of it. But as adults, we have to change our mindset to be open to, it's going to be wiggly. It's going to be loud. Somebody's going to say something funny. And, and be okay with that, not just as a parent, but as a congregation that we're loving on those people who are bringing their children to worship. We're going to provide things for them, but when and where is there a, when and where is the invitation set that this time is a great time to be there with your family? We had that space on Christmas Eve, like mm -hmm. in all the right ways. How can we do that on all the other weeks of the year where there's a space for children to feel safe and comfortable and for parents' anxieties to go down and for people who maybe don't want to worship with kids right now because of season of life or something else, that they still have space to do good worship too. And having some different offerings, which Northside is large enough to do, I think is a very inviting and exciting thing to think about as we sort of move forward with some of the yeah, big yeah. ideas we have. Mm -hmm. I, and you were talking about the, the point that you just made about, um, you know, why would we expect, why do, why do we think that people stop coming to church when they, you know, when they're not forced to go anymore? Well, they weren't, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't formed to do it. And we've been talking about that all, uh, all this entire podcast, right? At the same time, and I don't know how many kids are aware of this, but I was to a certain degree when I was younger. Uh, if they're not invited in, like you're talking about, they also don't feel welcome. And Correct. if that gets hardwired, into your your heart maybe in a subconscious way maybe it's not completely like right there they don't want me there but there's something about man i'm uncomfortable here because i don't feel welcomed here i don't feel like they want me here and that's right. man that's really dangerous thing to kind of to mold into a child yeah if the theological messages which we're i, I don't think anyone would be intending to send but if right. the theological no, message is yeah yeah the the unintentional message is you're not wanted. You have to come back when you're mature enough to do this. Uh, you have to behave. You have to be quiet. You have to know the words. You have to know what to do. When are you supposed to get that? Yeah. When, when did we get there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when can we check off that list? Cause I've, I got maybe two of those things. And in fairness too, I'll do, right. I hear you. And in fairness too. And I haven't you, seen you, you in worship. <laughs> See, now it's I'll be sitting there on Facebook every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, I think we have to also 
understand sort of the balance of that when we are inviting kids into space is, you know, I've had people ask me even at Northside is, are we talking, you know, if we're going to have kids in worship, does that mean we have to change everything? Well, no, it doesn't mean we have to change everything, but there are things we can do that make worship more compatible with children. It doesn't mean we need to play to children, but it does mean if we're here intergenerationally as a whole family, there are things we can do. And it doesn't have to be a children's moment. It can just be, there's so so much theology and so many ideas around this that make it more engaging for kids while also very much recognizing the adults in that congregation. And I think people tend to see things as just, you know, it has to be this or it has to be this, but there's this wide range in the middle. Um, Hal Runkle is a local author and wrote Screen Free Parenting, which I taught in the fall. And I'll always remember this. He talked about when you're teaching a child to tie their shoes, there tend to be two methods, right? And you've both done this. One is you're going to sit there until you tie your shoes. And the other is we have to hurry. I'm just going to tie them for you. And the reality is the whole middle of that is how you teach a child to tie your shoes. You sit down on the floor with them and it's gonna take you some time, right? I mean, what are we willing to sit and do? Because if, if the answer is only when you get there, we're gonna sit and wait yeah. or we're in a hurry, we gotta go. What is the space in between where we say, you're gonna wiggle and you're gonna misbehave and I may have to walk out with you, but you're still welcome here and how important that is for people to learn as, as a foundational piece of ministry is that you are welcome and you are wanted. And that is a big difference sometimes too. And, and learning to just welcome and want uh, inconvenience and mess, you know, these people, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Right. Uh, And that doesn't mean let them come to me. And then, you know, let's make sure everybody's split up to the right age groups or whatever. Let them be part of the body of Christ. Let them be part of the church. And, uh, I know this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time and we've all had conversations about this many times, but um, something that I wanted to invite the larger Northside congregation to think about anyway. Anecdotally, one of my favorite moments in worship recently was the Sunday after Christmas. I brought the whole family, which does not usually happen. Kate usually takes the kids to Kennesaw UMC because we live in Kennesaw and I'm, you know, working on Sundays and helping coordinate stuff for Sunday morning worship and counting the offering and all that stuff. Um, but Sunday after Christmas, they were all there with me. Um, it was just that one worship service, traditional worship and Flint along the way in preschool had learned, go tell it on the mountain, the song, go tell it on the mountain. And that is what we closed the worship service with. And he had been doing his own thing and coloring and tapping and turning around and looking at the people behind us and saying, dad, dad, when are we going? You know, like he had all this other stuff going on, but man, that organ hit, go tell it on the mountain. Yeah. And he sang it as loud and proud as anybody in Northside UMC. So mm-hmm. it was so neat to see the raw energy come out of that kid to sing that song and to, for that, him to be ingrained in him is just really meaningful to me to see that my kid is soaking up the traditions that. I grew up with and that I want him to experience and appreciate and that's that's as a four-year-old so I'm all for having kids in worship yeah it'll kind of be a mess sometimes but most people are understanding of the fact that there's gonna be you know some tapping and some scratching and you know at some point dad why are there trumpets in the balcony (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. I had a very, I had a very, Nick, I had a very similar experience um, with, with uh, Kiefer on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve service, which I attended at Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, which is where her mother works uh, as a children's minister. And uh, we sat there together, the three of us in the Christmas Eve service. And I, as we were sitting there, she's four and a half at this point. I realized for the first time that this is the first time that the three of us had ever sat in a worship service together because, right. you know, we worked, we worked at different churches and, and, uh, or, you know, Kiefer just wasn't in the room. So it was, uh, it was a powerful experience and it had everything Absolutely. to do with us being there as a family. Well, and I will say for me, it's such a powerful experience because I remember being a kid in church mm -hmm. sitting next to grandma and granddaddy and mama yeah. there and daddy's in the choir. And that was just, that was what was modeled. Exactly. One of my favorite experiences, you know, you made me think of this. Taylor was probably about, she, he was probably Kuiper's age. And he came in um, on Easter Sunday afterward. We had a friend that actually had their child baptized that day. We were lingering afterward. And so he came up and he's very excited. And, and he said, I have good news. And we said, oh, what? You know, thinking, what did you learn? So and he said, he is not here. He is in prison. <laughs> Real close. Real close. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah, he heard it. This is also the same kid when asked what gifts Jesus was given for Christmas. He was like, oh, I know, I know, I know. And he was like, yep, I can't remember, but they were not very fun. <laughs> That's the part I think, he took I bet away. gold's pretty fun. <laughs> right, exactly. Last question. Um, we at Northside Church, as part of the United Methodist Church, uh, we baptize infants and we do it all the time when we're together in worship. It seems like we're baptizing the infant every Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a tradition that, that's, that's uh, long held within this church. And part of that tradition is this baptismal covenant that we all take as a congregation. When this baby is baptized and welcomed into the church, uh, and Dr. Bill kind of in, introduces us to uh, the newest member of the church. We all, in, everyone in the sanctuary, make a covenant to help raise that child in the faith and craft them into a disciple. So as we're kind of the, the main audience of this podcast is people who are at Northside Church where we all uh, serve. What can Northside members do to be part of Christian, uh, to be part of the Christian development of children, but to be part of uh, children's ministry there? What is it that we need to do to fulfill our baptismal covenant? Uh, how can we how can we serve? I think that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. And um, SD Laster, who's our assistant director, is really our person that's in charge of volunteers and would love to talk to anybody who has that interest. Uh, you know, it may look a little different for a little while as we are going through all yeah. of this with COVID, but we were actually just talking about that today. And, you know, the reality is our main line of volunteers are our parents. And those aren't always the best people to call on because when you do have little kids, you do need a break sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we have people that have told us, hey, we're, I'm a teacher all during the week and I just cannot do that on a Sunday morning too. I need to do something different. And I can get that and appreciate that. And there are also seasons of life for people, right? Like that right now, I just really need to be in worship. But next year or last year, I could do this. And I think recognizing that if you come and help us, it doesn't have to be, you know, a 40 year commitment. It's, it's an hour commitment yeah. and that can make a huge difference. And one thing we have right now is it's very hard for our young families to have a lot of consistency 
as leaders in our Sunday school program because we are in a very active community where people are gone a lot. I mean, national statistics say that people who say they're very involved in church will attend one to two days a month. And so for us to have consistent leaders that help so much when kids come in the room, they're not trying to test somebody new every week. They know what they can get away with with Mr. James, for example, you know, or they know he's going to be funny or whatever the situation is. That consistency is so helpful. And so I would just ask that if people feel like they have a little time to give, that they talk to me or they talk to Esty, because I really think that maybe what people have in their minds that's required is really not. And we provide so much on the front end that make it really easy for volunteers. If, if I were not in children's ministries right now professionally, this would be a great time in my life to come and teach because I'm about to be an empty nester. And it would be a great opportunity for John and I to, you know, to reconnect with some younger kids. And, and that's a fun thing for us, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I think, you know, I think one reason I enjoy doing children's ministry so much right now is because, like I said earlier, the ages of my kids are bigger. And it's fun for me to revisit those times. And I've also had some of that experience. So I think parents maybe see that differently because I've had kids that have already been through fifth grade and what they're going to do for sixth grade and going up the kindergarten. And so I'm at least one resource and can connect them with other people who have older kids too. And that is very valuable, not only for our kids, but for our parents to hear from parents with older kids that have sort of survived those years for the good or the bad and um, those pros and cons. And it's a lovely, beautiful, fast paced time. So I would ask people, whether they're parents in the program right now or people who don't have kids active in the program but would like to come and revisit that time, um, it, you just, like I said, you don't know the impact that you can make for someone. Yeah. What a gracious gift that is for us. If we had consistent volunteers every week, it would dramatically change our jobs. It's to that, that level, the amount of time that it takes to organize that each week when we're at full capacity, like we always have been until now. So I would just ask people to rethink that. And I would add one other small thing to that, James. Yeah, please. Uh, when my kids were small, they, at least bigger kids, probably second grade and up, would come to church. And when that baby was held up and those baptism vows were made by the congregation, the children in our church were invited to come and sit where they could see that baby. And they would all come up and sit at the very front. And the children's minister at that church would say, and this could be anybody, but would say, and to the children of our church, do you promise to look after smaller kids in the gym and on the playground? And when we have vacation Bible school and ask them a commitment too for their age group. And I think that's very powerful. That's really cool. A lot of kids in our program can't talk about baptism because they don't remember it and they don't get to see it. So what we let kids see and be a part of is important. Brandy, I think you're right about people being intimidated by volunteering because they're not sure what kind of commitment. So you've said two things that I want to clarify. Sure. Um, it is helpful to have regular volunteers, but also I'm only asking for an hour. Mm -hmm. So an hour once a quarter or a quarter's worth of hours or like how, what makes it regular versus just an hour? So your commitment, if you can give an hour once a month, that would be great. If you can give one hour once a week, that would be more impactful than you could imagine. Okay. But it's an hour. You know, come early, <laughs> and, we'll give you coffee. 
And it's a well-planned, well-resourced hour. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't seem like so that easy. much to ask, right? Especially of a people who ha- who make this covenant. I mean, this is something yeah. that we were we have made a vow. It is just as binding, or should be just as binding as any other vows we make in our church. Um, and I want us to be. I want us. I want myself, and I want Northside Church to be more faithful to that covenant. If we're going to do well, this whole infant baptism thing, <laughs> it's fun to the covenant that we're making. Listen, come. Come downstairs and play games and crafts and sing songs with us. Like, what really, and some of you saw this on my BBS post, but what could be more fun? Like, we, what we all need in our lives right now is more kindness, more love, more songs, more games, more Jesus, more crafts. Like, yeah. what could be more fun than a week of BBS? So, for me, it's like, come back to that time in your own life. Think about that Sunday school teacher that you had and be that person for someone else. I, I just can't say enough how important it is and how much fun it is. Come have fun with us. It's great to be downstairs. And I think if you come and, and enjoy it a little bit, it, you really will take away more than you give. It is such a blessing to be with the kids of our church and to see the funny, hysterical things they do. And yeah, sometimes it's a little stressful. And sometimes it's like, okay, this, <laughs> this wasn't my day. But those are by far the minority compared to the gifts that you give and receive downstairs. So would welcome anybody who has an interest. No better way. No better way to remember your baptism than to hang out with those that you've baptized, right? Oh, yes. Good point. I love it. Love it. Well, and it's powerful, too, to think. And James, you kind of referenced this earlier, too. But it is powerful to think they will not remember us but they will remember the experience they had. Yeah. So when people talk, sometimes people can name a Bible, you know, Bible teacher or something like that. But more, moreover, you hear people say as adults, they loved BBS. They loved the snack. They loved, you know, this one fun event that they did, whatever, or Bible drills. I hear adults say that all the time, which is so funny to me because I didn't grow up doing that. I'm like, that sounds stressful, but those are the things they remember. And so for us to have in our minds that happy understanding of it, it's really not about you and you knowing how to answer the question. It's about your presence and your willingness to show the love of God. And that is the most important thing that we can do. And when we practice it with children, it makes it easier to practice it in the world. It really does. Absolutely. Um, Everybody remembers the way they felt. That's exactly yes. right. If the takeaway that they have is that I am loved, welcomed, and wanted, we have really fulfilled our mission. Yeah, That's a great place to start on a faith journey. And if yeah. you can add to that, I can ask questions. I'm free to explore my own ideas. And I have trusted adults who love me, who will help shepherd me on this path. I mean, really, what a gift. I, you know, we want that as adults now, right? Yeah, we do. So friends that can see us through. So um, I think we need to rethink the way we think about what's going on with her. Well, yeah, because the last thing I want is for those kids to remember not feeling welcomed, not feeling That's loved. exactly right. And it doesn't matter how well they can sing Jesus loves me. Because <laughs> if, then yeah. we have set them on a path where the church is antithetical to who they want to be. Yeah. Right. If, if the kid is the one, you know, and luckily I took a different path, but if you throw up on the bus and the answer is good luck, come back 8 million more times, yeah. you know, to get a Bible, by the way, you know, I wasn't even... <laughs> I just wanted so the Bible close. for crying out loud. Please, you know, but, if any children want a Bible, we'll just give them one. Well, this I'll is get clearly, you a Bible. You clear, you that was clearly a works-based kind of not, <laughs> not, 
sure. Yeah, Northside, Northside will give Bibles away. We'll, we, we'll give you a Bible. You don't have to ride the bus. You don't have to do anything. We don't have to do any of that. So. say one final thing on our yes, end please. is the only real rules that we have for fourth and fifth graders next we used to have like different rules in classroom and all that we have our fourth and fifth grade events we have two rules because one day i forgot to write all the rules down i couldn't remember them <laughs> i thought if i can't remember them neither can they the two rules are be kind and be respectful mm. and if that's the least we can take away and that's something they understand you know we can say are you being kind right now are you being respectful right now do you, you know, we know you know what that means because we talked about it. And so yeah. that is a gracious way to go out into the world, I think, too, is am I being kind? Am I being respectful? And ultimately, I think that's a reflection of are you leaving, living the way that Jesus would want you to yeah. live? Are you listening to other people? Are you being thoughtful toward other people? Are you realizing it isn't just about you? Are you showing kindness and respectfulness and, and essentially love? So that's really changed that for us. If you, if you just think about the world and context that we're in right now, how much better would it be if everyone out there was being kind and respectful? Right. I mean, that's, right. that's probably nails on. That, that's, that's, that's a good way to finish up and end. Let's just leave that. Brandy, that's a good word. Brandy, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us uh, this afternoon. And, and uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. I hope that um, hope the folks at Northside will, will hear what you had to say today and that uh, if they have any questions to follow up with you or Esty uh, about how to serve in at the in the foundation, absolutely, uh, or anything else for that matter. Nick, do you want to say right. anything as we close up? I feel good. Glad to have Brandy on today. This is a Thank great. You. This was great. This was a great conversation. I, I so feel much fun. Like such a chunk of it is hung in limbo until we figure out how we get back in the building and stuff right. that's going to get in person with the coronavirus, you know, like Drake, uh, like Flint says, when coronavirus is over. <laughs> like, you know, what we do. But I'm looking forward, um, looking forward to implementing new stuff. Me interested in getting involved with children's ministries at Northside Church, you can contact Brandy Diamond directly at brandyd at northsideumc.org. That's brandy with the letter d at northsideumc.org. Thanks for joining us again on the Dialogic Disciple Podcast.